can we do those like funny little outtakes again this season? Do you have time for those? I like those. Those are my favorite part. <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved. The podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Hey, welcome back, Oxygen Starved listeners. We are back for a fresh season of the Oxygen Starved episode, your adventure books and conversations from 11,000 feet. I don't think you've forgotten, but in case you have, <laughs> I'm Christopher, and with me is our co-host... Stacy. Welcome, Stace. Hi, nice to be here. And with us, as always, is our producer, Doug. Yay. Hey, Doug. Hi, Doug. Salut. There we go. That's the kickoff for back, the next season. Back for is this season four? I think this is season four. I can't believe Doug came back. <laughs> you you are a glutton for punishment, my I was friend. Say, he's doing penance for some sins. I, I think. guess so. You guys, I'm so happy to see you both in person. We're recording in person. Yeah. Yay. It's nice to see both of you as well. And I get, it is nice to be back in person because the laughter feels a little bit more genuine and not all Zoom-ish. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, I really hope we don't have to ever do that again. You know, it's nice to have the ability, but boy, person-to-person contact. I know. There we go. So valuable. So appreciated. So... Yeah, we are back. And for our kickoff season, we're doing what we did last time we kicked off the season, yep. which is, you know, kind of I know what you read last summer. We're not right. not doing any guests this one. We have Just some us. guests lined up for episodes coming up. Yeah, and, we, and, and adventures coming up. We're going to bring some adventures back to the podcast and... Yeah, we're going to work those in. You know, we did yes. have some adventures this summer. I, I know you had like a global adventure. A global, yes, we did. We we went all out for wedding anniversary twenty five. To great. to Bora Bora. Yeah, that's 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 like things you only see in a travel brochure. That's awesome. It was great. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> nice to get away. Nice to unplug. Yeah. Um. If you are a water person, there you go. Go, go to Bora Bora, experiencing, <laughs> experience it because it's it's just amazing. The people are great. That's awesome. I'm glad it was there. For those of us who aren't celebrating our 25th anniversary, <laughs> we stayed a little bit more local. Yeah, I will say, you know, listeners, it has been great that the East Side has been blessedly free of fire smoke this season, knock on every piece of wood yes. in the office here. Um, you know, and our hearts go out to the places that are experiencing it this season. But um, And of course, the season's not over. Right. But the airs have been so clear, and the temperature's not so bad this season. No, you know, and, and we got a lot of rain. Right. Yeah. 
So a little bit of refreshment and getting up into the backcountry has been nice this summer. And and lately, so one of the things I tend to do is work through my lunches or at least have my lunch in my office. It's just a habit that I've had for many, yeah. many years. And this year I made the conscious effort to get out of the office for lunch two days a week. Oh, good for you. And enjoy some of the scenery we yeah. enjoy living in, right? Mm-hmm. You have to give yourself permission sometimes. So I, you know pack a book in the car, drive up to a lake. I sit That's... in the back seat of my car, which I never do. Put down all the windows. Changes your perspective, it totally doesn't does. it? I was like, wow, I should have a chauffeur. Um, but no, it's just fun because five minutes you can be at a lake yeah. where we're lucky to work. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's nice just to get out and get that that fresh air every once in a while. But yeah, we are going to, we've already lined up a few. Yes, right? <laughs> we do. I'm, I'm excited. I can't Good. wait. Nothing. As, did you have like a one hike that you did this summer that you enjoyed more than the others or? Well, you know, the one that stands out this summer, not because it was anything difficult or challenging was Onion Valley down in Inyo County. Cause I haven't been there probably since I was a kid, honestly. Wow. Um, and you know, it's a remarkably beautiful little corner yeah. of the Eastern Sierra. And it's the base of the trail to Kearsarge Pass. Mm-hmm. So it's very right. popular with a lot of hikers. And it was so popular the day we were there, we actually chose to do a side hike um, off to one of the lakes. And then that kind of turned into an adventure because the trail split into two different forks. And there was kind of an easy fork and a difficult fork. And for whatever reason, because I was following my husband and not leading and <laughs> doing it the difficult way and um, hijinks ensued. Um, <laughs> we're still married and we actually had a really great day. Um, but yeah, that was probably the, just because it was yeah. new to right. us, right. you know, and so we're still looking for more new, new things. So maybe a little bit more North country stuff this time. Yeah. That's, you know? that would be on our list too. Although we, we have planned for October to hike to the top of White Mountain. Right. So that's it'll be my second fourteen thousand foot peak. So I'm excited for that. Now, when you hike White Mountain, and forgive my ignorance because I live in Bishop, mm-hmm. I should know this because uh, it's in the Inyo Mountain, right. or the White Mountain Range, yep. um, on the other side facing the Sierra. Do you start from the west side of the range, or do you drive around to the Nevada side and start from there? We're going to start from the west side. Okay. Yeah. Great. So we're taking um, a friend of ours who's done it before, and he's going to Sherpa us. Oh, that's awesome. Up and um, yeah, I'm very excited for that's that. That's totally cool. So, well, it'll I be fun. Look forward to hearing about it. I will report back. <laughs> speaking report back. speaking of reporting back, though, this is you know back to school time. I'm sitting across the street, the the table from two people who've been educators, um, and so you know it's a little bit of school summer reading, right? Oh yes. <laughs> so this is our. Uh, I think I called it. I know what you read last summer episode, <laughs> where Stace and I are just going to share some of the books that we read. We both voraciously read this summer. We did. We it, did. it was a big, a heavy reading summer <laughs> for me. Yeah, that's and great. you. Well, you had long plane trips and, and yes. beautiful ocean to read and by. time. And you time. know, and time to just. Yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah. That's really special. Well, why don't we just dive right in and okay. you tell us some of what you read? All right. Well, every summer, I might have said this before on the podcast, but I don't know, but every summer I read at least one book about baseball or sports. 
So good. I know you haven't said yeah, that before. Yeah. So this summer, my baseball book was "The Church of Baseball" by Ron Shelton. So anybody, any of our listeners who have seen the mo- movie Bull Durham, it was written and directed by Ron Shelton. I did not know that. And I think this year was the. 30th anniversary of that movie, That's a great movie coming out. Great movie. I love that movie. Know it by heart. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't go into it here. Um, seen it a million times. And my husband and I both love that movie. Yeah. And so I was really interested. I was really excited. This book was just published um, this, this summer. Year. Yeah. So it basically outlines the story of how, not only how he wrote the movie, but how he made the movie cool. and directed it. And it was fascinating. And Ron Shelton was a minor league baseball player. And so he really came with this rich background of what life in the minor leagues is was like. like. And and I know I've talked about on the podcast before that I worked at Wrigley Field <laughs> when I was a kid. And, you know, I was very entrenched in major league baseball but Bull Durham was the first, my first introduction to minor league baseball. So, yeah. you know, really learning about what went into making the movie and all the difficulties that they had. And and you really got a sense of not just that movie, but all movies are fraught with problems oh, sure. from the minute they get started. So, Any it, juicy gossip or anything? Well, there, you know, there was some interesting gossip about hiring the different actors mm. and how that all, you know, who was intended for roles and then who eventually got them. And, mm-hmm. you know, S- Susan Sarandon was a very controversial uh, person for them to hire. She was not their choice. That's, that's the only tea I'm going to spill about that. <laughs> I could see that being I could see that being the case, but she owned that character. Right? She was. I can't imagine anybody yeah. else but her playing that character now. And she killed it. You know, you mentioning that it's been 30 years mm-hmm. since the movie, I think it's also been close to that, or maybe 25 years since a league of their own. And it yeah. seems that and there was eight men out. I mean, there mm-hmm. seems like there was a raft of baseball movies in a kind of a period of time in Hollywood. Absolutely. And Field of Dreams, Field of Dreams. they all kind of came out at the same kind of time. And I've I catch so much trouble because I've never seen Field of Dreams. You have not seen... I read the book. (laughs) Even I've seen Field of Dreams, and I'm not a baseball fan. The Field of Dreams is based on a book called Shoeless Joe. Right. And a fabulous book, but I've never seen the movie, so... It's on my list. <laughs> what can I say? But move, but, moving on, moving on. So that book, though, was... That was The Church, Church of, baseball. of Baseball. Yeah, okay. if you're a fan, highly encourage you to read it. And of course, listeners, we'll put all these titles in our Instagram and on everything. Our so you don't have to write yes. any notes Yeah, down. Just, just enjoy. <laughs> so the next book on my list was The, Unhoney, the Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. And... For anybody like me who's obsessed with TikTok, <laughs> Christina Lauren is recommended by all the book talk people on TikTok. So I had to read one of her books. The Unhoneymooners is the story of a maid of honor in a wedding. Her twin sister is getting is the bride. And the best man, who of course they hate each other, right. are thrown into going on the bride and groom's honeymoon because 
they are the only two people at the wedding who did not get violent food poisoning. (laughs) So off they go, these two people who hate each other. They go on this all expenses paid, fully inclusive honeymoon trip. And lo and behold, who do they run into? They run into her boss that she's her new job Mm -hmm. and oh we have to go to she's hoping to just kind of hide and not see them again and they get invited to dinner with this other couple and they have to fake it and then something else happens and he's in a situation where she has to help him out and hijinks ensue (laughs) so all the tropes that everyone loves from those novels and we i can't remember i think we've talked about christina lauren before or no it's actually a writing duo right right exactly we've we've like live constantine is a duo we've talked about some other authors like that and these are sisters yeah they're sisters i believe so yeah cool tons of tons of titles by by them and then the next one is called the jet setters i guess i read a lot of books that have the the beginning (laughs) sorry It's, it's, I think it's the most popular article. I was going to say, it's the article of the year, right? The beginning article of the year. The word of 2022 is the. (laughs) It wasn't a pronoun. (laughs) So the Jet Setters is by Amanda Iyer Ward. Mm -hmm. And this was, I love this book. So this is a story of an an older woman. She's in her Mm seventies. She's retired. She lives in Florida. Her best friend dies. She's Mm -hmm. not with her husband any longer. Mm -hmm. And she's estranged from her three children. Mm -hmm. And she enters this short fiction writing contest to win a cruise. Cool. And she wins. And she decides she is going to take her three adult children, like mandate, (laughs) that they go on this cruise to Europe with her. Oh, boy. And she's going to try to reunite. You know, her vision is, you know, they were so close when they were kids. They have such good, you know, they were all there for each other. And now they're not. And she wants to bring them back together. And... I loved these characters. I loved, they were all so flawed. Yeah. But the, they're written with such tenderness and such care. Yeah. I, I just loved all of them. And is it a feel good kind of book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I, I, it was just fun. I love those, these kind of like family story, you know, flawed family dynamic stories were, They plant the family someplace where they can't get away. Like they're snowed right. in somewhere or they're on an island or plant them on a cruise ship right. going across the Atlantic. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And it really was a, you can't escape, <laughs> which is probably why I don't ever want to go on a cruise. But <laughs> just about to say. Yeah. Please, cru- cru- cruise, cruise people don't come for me. It's just a thing. Right. I don't, no judgment. It's just not my deal. Um, <laughs> but I just, this was a really fun read and it wasn't I wouldn't say it was a palate cleanser. Right. Because it family stuff is hard stuff. Yeah. Right. And they're all such flawed, deeply flawed people going through such difficult things. 
And, you know, you can't help but have empathy for all yeah. of them. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't call this a lighthearted read necessarily, but a fun read nonetheless. Good. So that's The Jet Setters. And then the next two books um, that I'll mention really quickly are, they're a book and a, you know, a first, what's a, not a prequel, but like a first <laughs> book and then a sequel. A yeah, sequel, right. What's the word for the first book? The first book. Okay, there you go. <laughs> okay, we've cleared that up. Thanks. The OG, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, shouldn't there be like a, a, a label for the first book? Well, you know, there's a label for the sequel. <laughs> What's the label for the third book? I don't know. <laughs> just start listeners, calling it a listeners let us know. Weigh in. We want to hear from you. What should the third book in the series be oh, called? All right, I'm going to get to the point. Um, so it's called The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek and The Book Woman's Daughter of Troublesome Creek. They're written by Kim Michelle Richardson. This is historical fiction. Right. And it is about the con- blue people of Kentucky in yeah. the 1800s. This, these books actually take place in the very late, actually the early 1900s, mm-hmm. because this they take place when Roosevelt's um, Back to Work mm-hmm. project started. And one of the Get Back to Work projects that they started in Kentucky was having these women who lived in these rural communities ride horses to deliver books to people who lived in places where there were no libraries. Right. And so the book woman of Troublesome Creek tells a story of Cussie Mary, and she is a blue person, and she is becomes one of the book women who delivers these books. And it was fascinating. I mean, it, on, it's on so many different levels and... It, I loved it. I, and it's not a very long book either. You know, it's just under 300 pages. Right. It reads super fast. And so I had to read the sequel about her daughter. Mm-hmm. And the sequel picks up where uh, Cussie Mary's daughter, Honey Lovett, is... <laughs> great names. Great names. Um, who's also blue, but not as dark a shade of blue, um, because her father is a white man. Um, she takes over from her mom because her parents have been put in prison mm. because of they've intermarried. Mm, right. And in Kentucky that it doesn't matter. Blue, red, black, yellow. It doesn't matter if you were a different, if you weren't white, you were a different color and you weren't allowed to, to marry. So you've explained this to me already, but our listeners might benefit just Explain the blue person. Yeah, so this was fascinating. I didn't know that this was a thing, but the the these blue people were individuals who had a very high level of some th- some like chemical in their blood that did not allow the red blood cells mm-hmm. to rise to the level of our skin, which mm-hmm. is why we all look <laughs> rosy, rosy, right? right. And so they appeared blue. Mm -hmm. And then because they were so ostracized, they Mm -hmm. intermarried Mm -hmm. and then the blue got bluer and deeper. There's also a group of these people that were living in Europe. Mm -hmm. So there was a group in France and I think a group in Germany Mm -hmm. that existed as well. Mm 
uh, the last blue person died, I want to say, in the mid-1900s. Mm. Or no, yeah, the mid-1900s. And um, they're they don't exist anymore, but it was a thing back then. And, you know, for, you know, for hundreds of years they existed. So it's just so amazing. I I love these kind of historical fiction books where you, you learn these kind of details about things that otherwise you would never have learned about. Never, never. And you know, um, while we're talking, it was a real, um, uh, new deal project, Mm -hmm. um, you know, putting women on horseback with, Saddlebags with right. books that they would take back into the haulers and other places. And, yep. you know, I've often thought, you know, if any, there's any pack creeks out there in Mono County that want to load up a, a saddlebag with Mono County Library books and put our logo on it. <laughs> we'll, we, we, we will pack the books. We will not ride the horse, but we will pack the books. <laughs> you wouldn't and... want me to ride the horse. <laughs> no, I, no. Or the mule. I would, I, I, no. That, <laughs> if I was on the horse, the, the books might never make it there. But um, yeah, those were really, really, I loved those, those books. They were, I mean, they kind of took me back to being a little girl, you know, little housey mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you yeah. kind of got that little housey kind of feel. Simpler. Yes. And I love reading about those times where, you know, you didn't have a light switch to turn on right. and you had to dig your vegetables out of the ground and, right. you know, all that. It was just, and she just does a really, really good job. The great characters and really, really good. And who was that author again? That was Kim Michelle Richardson. Okay. And then really quickly, I listened to two books on Audible. One was called The Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. It's an older book from yep. 2003. Also a miniseries. Is it a miniseries or a movie or something? Limited. Se- I don't know. Streaming service. Yeah, yeah, it's on one of those things. And it was really, really good. But listening to the book, which I had read after it was published mm-hmm. a long time ago, oh my gosh, forgot how intense. Yeah. Yeah. Really informative, but really tough. About the Mormons. and Yes. Yeah. And, and how they evolved and came to be and, yeah. you know, what what has occurred with them in the last, you know, 50 years. Yep. And it, it was really interesting. And then the other uh, book that I listened to on Audible, very different, couldn't be more different, <laughs> is called Anna by Amy O'Dell, and it's the biography of Anna Winter, who's the <laughs> publisher of... I'm, I'm, a, I'm not like nothing this. if not eclectic. I love I that you're eclectic. You? I totally love it. I know because my brain's the same way. Go, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's fine. And she is a, you know, I... I, I would be lying to say if I didn't love me a copy of Vogue... <laughs> Don't wear any of those clothes, but love looking at them. Right. And I've always been kind of fascinated by Anna Winter. So learning her backstory and, you know, learn to hear about a, a another, another female in the leadership capacity and mm-hmm. how she runs her life is... It was really interesting and it, she, I respect her a lot. That's good. You know, again... Uh, uh, a biography that helps humanize someone who over time has become a caricature of themselves, right? Yes. In many people's minds. They only ever see that kind of two-dimensional figure of the bobbed hair and the dark sunglasses, right. you know, yep. wafer thin sitting at a fashion show. But actually she's 
extremely successful, experienced, has had a really wide background. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and then you have a movie like The Devil Wears Prada, who's, <laughs> you know, kind of caricature, car- caricaturing her. Is that a verb? Can I make that a verb? Sure. We'll, we'll add that with the third with book. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, they kind of did that, right? They yeah. kind of blew her up a little bit to make her more intense than, than yeah. she really is. But, um, you know, this really kind of took it back, you know, Hey, she had a childhood. She, right. her parent, you know, she was the child of divorced parents. She went through a couple marriages herself and, right. you know, um, she's human. She cries. Yeah. She has feelings. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed it. So I mean that and that's just that's just a little taste of what I enjoyed <laughs> reading this summer. That's a really good toys taste. Toist. Yeah, I I it was a it was fun. It was a fun reading summer. It sounds like it. It was you learned some yeah. stuff, you were entertained, you were mm-hmm. taken away. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Good. How about you? Uh, I also read fairly eclectically this summer. I read a ton of stuff, so it was kind of hard to choose, pick and choose what yeah. I would talk about. Um, but I think I picked a smattering, and I think there's some themes here that follow yours. So why don't I talk about the first one? Is a book that just came out this year, a first novel by the author Shelby Van Pelt called Remarkably Bright Creatures. And what drew me to this, I mean, it got great reviews. It was like, I think, a read with Jenna or one oh, of those yeah. morning show book picks. Um, is that it's a, it, one of the main characters of this book is a giant Pacific octopus um, <laughs> who gets his own chapters and his own voice, which I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. Cool. Let's check this out. So yeah, Remarkably Bright Creatures is the first novel. It's very light. It's fun. It's quirky. And the main character is an aging widow named Tova. She's in her 70s. She recently lost her... She most recently loses her brother, she had her husband had died a couple of years before mm-hmm. of cancer, and many decades before her son had died as a teenager, and she's oh. never really recovered from that. Of course, who would? Right. But those are kind of, of this theme of grief um, and loss is part of her story, and she gets a job cleaning a local aquarium. She lives in the Puget Sound area, so like a lot of towns, mm-hmm. just like a local aquarium, and she gets to mop the floors and clean the windows. Um, and it occurs, she injures her foot and realizes despite all of her friends, she's got a lot of great pals in town and everything. She's getting older. She doesn't have family. She's alone and she might need to move into a senior housing facility. Okay. She should start thinking about this stuff. And during all of this, she befriends Marcellus, the resident Pacific giant octopus, <laughs> who gets his own, again, he gets his own voice. Um, and he provides some comic relief. He's okay. very much a misanthrope, not just because oh. he's been caught and put in an aquarium, but it's just his character like he's he's um very very smart he's octopuses are extremely clever right um and so he knows this and he considers himself the smartest brain in the room (laughs) um he's very adept at escaping his tank each night which no one knows except tova when she discovers because he likes to snack on um other creatures in the aquarium sometimes he wants some crab sometimes he wants some sea cucumber and he knows how to go (laughs) find them and and if he doesn't take too many they don't notice right so um (laughs) those two end up actually bonding um despite not really being able to communicate with each other um but they kind of learn about each other and in the meantime this young man by the name of cameron ends up in this town this Mm -hmm. small gossipy town yeah and there's this outsider who you know he's in his 20s or something he's driving this old camper who is he and what is what does it mean that people don't trust him there exactly and um 
for whatever reason, because Tova injured her foot, he ends up doing some of the cleaning for this aquarium. Mm-hmm. That's how the three stories okay. start to intersect. And then it just kind of takes off from there. It's got, again, great reviews. It's very kind of an uplifting book. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a family book, like yeah. you were describing earlier. Um, so there are some you know poignant moments to it. But um, other than that, it's also just very entertaining. <laughs> the, the voice of Marcellus is a lot of fun. I, I love those books where you have this found family right. element, right? You know, where they really, these three disparate yeah. creatures right. <laughs> come together. Yeah. And, and you know, so many people saw the octopus teacher. So I think yeah. oct- octopi are having a moment. They are. Like baseball was yeah, like 30 right. years ago. Octopuses are having a moment too. <laughs> well, and she does. She clearly, this this author, I, I watched an interview of her. She learned a lot about Pacific Giant Octopus to write about this. Yeah. So you learn things. Like they have three hearts and one of them stops beating when they're moving. And, you know, their brain is dispersed and all the tentacles. It's just fascinating. Wow. Um, I need one of those dispersed <laughs> brains. I feel like my brain is dispersed. <laughs> so that's the one book. The, uh, the next book I'll recommend is very, very different. It's called The Wild Hunt by Emma Seckel. It also just came out. It came out on August 2nd, which oh, I know because wow. that's my birthday and I was excited to get this book. It's a little bit of, um, if anybody remembers reading The Birds, the novella by Daphne du Maurier that Hitchcock made into mm-hmm. that thriller mm-hmm. movie back in the 50s. The premise of The Wild Hunt is that the ravens return to a remote Scottish island each October 1st and they leave by November 1st like clockwork for generations and generations. So much so that the local residents have crafted festivals around this migration as the birds supposedly carry the souls of the dead. And if they're not appeased, they will wreak havoc on the locals. And this story, she sets the story in the years after World War II, when a lot of, you know, like many places in Europe and especially the UK, a lot of people died. Many young men and women died or didn't return. And so there's this feeling of loss and grief. Um, and in this particular year, the number of ravens is remarkably huge. And so there's this notion that maybe these are souls of these people. And the raven's menacing begins to step across the line into like outright damage and injury to people. So that's where the story starts to really pick up pace. This is Seckel's first novel. Um, it's really well done. I think she's a photographer by profession, but this was really well written. The atmospheric setting is really done. It's a reflective exploration of grief that so many people were suffering from and I think a lot of people would relate to today just Mm -hmm. given what we've gone through and this story arc is a really slow burn it's a book that you kind of want to have quiet around you um, while you're reading and not a whole lot of distraction and you kind of want to sink into it and then about halfway through you realize it's sunken into you it's like (laughs) it's that kind of thing and then it really takes off is it like is there an element of like a horror story to it I mean do the birds ever like I'm just thinking, you know, you mentioned the Hitchcock movie, which scared the hell out of me when I was yeah. 10 years old. And Yeah. Yeah. No, there definitely is. There are, there are, it's a thriller mystery. And so there are, you know, as mm-hmm. many of those do, they often start with a death. Right. right. And so there's more than one death in this book and it does involve the birds and there's some gory elements yeah. to it. Um, but not so much that it takes over like a Stephen King book. It's okay. much more gothic. That's more su- subtle. It's more subtle. Exactly. Yeah. And you kind of wonder, is it real? Is it not real? That kind of got stuff. It. Again, another book that hit many best of summer mm-hmm. book lists and got great reviews 
interviews, I think Emma Seckel is going to be an author that we'll be hearing from again. So those are the first two novels. A third novel that I have mentioned in my Book Talk Fridays Mm -hmm. before, I just want to mention it again because I thought it was so great. This is a young adult thriller called I Must Betray You by Ruta Sepetis. And this is a story, for those of us of a certain age, (laughs) we will remember (laughs) the year 1989, right? Mm -hmm. The fall of the Berlin Wall and this kind of optimistic feeling. We talked about it in the 90s of, you know, countries going through revolution in the Mm -hmm. Eastern Bloc and... um, you know, electing their officials from the people for the first time in generations. Well, this is set in Romania in 1989, and that was when it was led by the Ceausescu's, the mm-hmm. man and wife. And their their regime was one of the most repressive of all of the Eastern Bloc countries in Europe during the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but the revolutions of 1989 um, happening one by one, those old Eastern Bloc countries starting to overthrow their communist dictators and put in property elected leaders was something that Romania tried to stave off. They really tried to just like prevent this happening in Romania by saying no outside newspapers, shut off the radio, all that kind of stuff um, that was like, you know, trying to ban news actually getting into the country and then mm-hmm. stepping up its main tool of control, which was having people um, be blackmailed into reporting on their family, friends, and neighbors on pretty much everything they ever did. This is true. Like there wow. are, after, after Romania fell, there were just files on just about everybody in the country that were reams long and people That's were surprised and, and creeped out by this. <laughs> what it meant was, and what the author captures so well, is that even family members were afraid to have honest conversations at the dinner table because mm-hmm. you didn't Trust your own family. So the main character is a teenager named Christian. He's blackmailed into doing this work. And he begins to learn just how many people around him are are also reporting on other people. And he struggles to understand who he can trust while trying to be a teenager. You know, getting through school, having his first real girlfriend. He ultimately joins a crowd of mostly young people who were the rebellion in in Romania. It was Mm -hmm. mostly college students um, who eventually did overthrow the government. But of course, it brought a lot about a lot of danger and damage to people he cared about. Again, the author is expert at portraying how this culture of everyone betraying you leads to a claustrophobic, suffocating existence. Um, And I found it remarkably timely, Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, yeah, just because there are, you know, talk and, and even laws being put forth around the country that would have average citizens reward average citizens for reporting their friends and neighbors, right? So Big Brother was really Big Brother. Right. And government. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and how she portrays so clearly how that doesn't lead to good society. It doesn't lead to good outcomes. It actually leads to a lot of mistrust and suppression and anxiety. You know, you said this was a young adult book. So would, would it seems to me this might be a, a young adult book for older young adults, like maybe not so much. Yeah. It's you not, know, it's like not, a tw- your average 12 year old, are they going to no. get this? No, this is more, and the character is, um, I think he's 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. So it's more like 16 to 18 Real. is the intended audience. Mm-hmm. I actually recommended it because I think it's a, a YA book that adults, adults. would enjoy yeah. reading. I'm an adult and mm-hmm. I learned stuff from this book that I didn't know before. And again, yeah. it's a book you can read in an afternoon mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I hesitate 
hate to call a book important because that puts people off, Mm -hmm. but it's so timely. And I think so many people would benefit from just spending some time with the story to understand things a little bit better and help keep things in perspective. That's um, I Must Betray You by Ruta Sepetis. Also got great great. reviews. Um, And then two other real quick ones. Uh, Next one is nonfiction. It's All Darkness Down Wide by the poet Sean Hewitt. This is a beautifully poignant memoir um, by this young poet, mostly about his being in a relationship with someone who turns out is clinically depressed to the point of being hospitalized for months on end. Didn't know that going into the relationship. And it it explores, as, as he unravels the story it explores the themes of you know love and guilt and trying to make a relationship work in the face of very stiff odds um all in a very unflinching manner he doesn't pull punches on himself it's very movingly written you know again because he's a poet like he other poets that do memoirs um it's just really really the, the language is beautiful it's also just this lens into mental health we don't often get to see um in terms of the perspective it's the effects of mental illness on the affected person's partner rather yeah. than them like he talks right. about his partner but it's more about his own reaction to it his mm-hmm. own coping with it and his own guilt yeah um and caring and it and so i'll just tell you it's not an uplifting read <laughs> but it is really compelling and it got also great reviews and i have this is like the third memoir i've written i've read that has been written by a poet who mm-hmm. they just have this control of language right right and i'm just telling you like poets can be the mafiosos of memoirs because they will smile at you and punch you in the face at the same time. And then they will try and console you and punch you in the gut. Like, and, and you will let them do it <laughs> because the, the writing is yeah. just so good and the story is very compelling. So did this one, like, did you have to take a break? You know how sometimes you read these books that are so yeah. heavy and you have to just kind of sit with them in that space yeah, for a I, little bit? Again, this is one where... He, I, I needed quiet around mm-hmm. me, right? I bought it on vacation and I started to read it on vacation and I was like, nope, waiting till we get home for this one. But yeah. I don't regret it. And I, I'm going to continue recommending it to people just because it's a very beautiful book. And again, it got great reviews. So I, I think those are important books to read. Yeah. I don't want to, I'm not labeling <laughs> it an important book, but I think those kinds of books, like you were saying about historical fiction, mm-hmm. Books like you're describing too also teach us so much, yeah, you know, they do. because so many of us are have people in our lives that are struggling with mental health issues of one sort or another. And I think anytime you can get another person's perspective on it, you grow and you learn more about how to help or, or just how to be right. there or how to live in that space. Right, right. And how to how to be okay with that, right? right? If you're not going through it yourself, you know, you're still going to have feelings about it. And what was, I mean, he does this with love and respect. Mm -hmm. He clearly got the approval of his former partner. Mm -hmm. He changed all the names, you know, to protect, you know, people. But, um, you know, it's done very carefully. And, you know, this is, I was just reading in the paper today in Mono County, behavioral health was citing that there are, you know, suicides are still an issue here. And mm-hmm. it's no longer people coming here to drop, right? It's people who live here going through issues. And so, again, reading books like this yeah, kind of help keep things in perspective. Definitely. Um, All Darkness Down Wide by Sean Hewitt. And then the final book is 
completely different like you did. <laughs> I want to pe- leave, people, leave people with an uplift. This is going to be 30 seconds. It's called Husband <laughs> Material. It also came out on my birthday, August 2nd. It is a follow-up, a sequel to the breakout <laughs> word of mouth hit Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall um, that just was a runaway bestseller. Husband Material follows that up. It's a rom-com that catches up with Oliver and Luke taking the next step in their relationship through a story that uses the four weddings and a funeral trope. Love that. And and it is um, just a delightful read. It's very witty, fun dialogue. It's remarkably lighthearted, very predictable in a comforting way. You can read it in an afternoon. And speaking of sequels to sequels, there is a third one in the works called Father Material. So, you well, know. <laughs> Alexis Hall, if you're listening, you know, will you tell us what the third book in the in the you know, in a what we should call in, it? Yeah. What what should <laughs> what should follow a sequel? No, he Alexis Hall is Alexis. I don't know. It's a he. Yeah. Okay. So he's having quite a moment he's because he's all moment. over these yeah. books are all over TikTok. Yep. Sorry, podcast friends. <laughs> Just, it's a thing for me right now. But um, yes, yeah. such fun books. That's exactly what it is. It's just, it's it, these are palate cleansers. Yeah. Fun, fun books. And I really wanted to make sure I ended on that note. That was talking such, about some serious stuff. That was such a happy note. Thank you. But that was, you know, I think we both had some very eclectic summers. I, right? I think we did. I mean, and that this was just a sample. <laughs> <laughs> It was a productive summer of reading. Yeah, so I think great. so. I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to be reading through the season. I know we've sketched out I some know. ideas and some books we're going to read together. So I've already finished one of them. I'm so excited to yeah. talk about it. But listeners, we want to hear from you. What did you read over the summer? What are you enjoying? What did you love? What do you want us to read? We'd love to hear that too. So... Hit us up. You can find us at um, O2Starved on Instagram. Our website is a web website, oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. <laughs> Feels so old-fashioned now. I know. I just... <laughs> all these different platforms. I get so confused. But oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. Please shoot us an email. That's where you can find us. And we love to hear from you as always. Thank you so much for joining us yeah. for the opening episode of season four. And we hope to see you again in two weeks. You, you will, they'll hear us again in two weeks. Yeah. That, that too. Well, follow us on Instagram. You'll get to see us. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah, we go. For sure. <laughs> Take care. Have Bye-bye. A, have a great week. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. In Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.